my god! The following program is in no way representative of the high-quality programming usually heard on the Maverick Radio Network. The views expressed and fishing techniques demonstrated are not endorsed by this station. The following is not a news broadcast. Welcome. Welcome to the five count. Here it is. Guess who's here? You'll never guess. It's Billy Floyd Shouts. Howdy, howdy. Floyd Shouts in the house. You know it. Wow. This is amazing. He's in the house. He's raising the roof. He's (laughs) he's doing all those things. Ready to burn this mother down. Wow. That sounds extreme. Speaking of extreme, Ton's hair is also here. It, It is definitely here. Um... It's getting longer. I don't know what's going to happen. Can I just say, uh, in the parking lot earlier, Yeah, I'm sure I could see, and Floyd shouts his mind, he's thinking, God, all you talk about is Ton's hair. <laughs> Ton's hair. Ton's hair. <laughs> and then he saw him get out of his car, and he's like, Whoa, look at Ton's hair. It's <laughs> a lot of hair. Wow. It is. It really is. Now it's, you understand. It's the most hair I've ever had in my life, and I'm just trying to enjoy it, you know, just like... Uh, Trying to enjoy the company in this room right now, and He's trying. this wonderful radio program. I'm really, uh, I'm really intrigued by this booklet here. I've never looked at this. What kind of booklet is it, Ton? It's a, uh, it's, it's a giant book for Ozfest '98. It's ridiculous. Why do you have that book, Ton? I don't know. What? It's, this is our special Ozfest '98 edition of the program. One particular. <laughs> Stop on the Ozfest tour, July eighteenth, nineteen ninety eight, Somerset, Wisconsin. Ozfest Warp Tour when Satan met met skating. <laughs> wow. wow, was that the official title? I think that was the uh, title MTV News gave it when they came to uh, film some footage. Wait a second, now I was wow. there. Wow, yes. are you telling me Kurt Loder was also there? Um. Maybe Tabitha Soren. Oh. Wow. I don't know if Kurt could bother to come to Wisconsin. Okay, that explains why everyone was mistaking me for Matt Pinfield all day. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, man. So, Ozfest slashed Warp Tour 98. Yes. was July 18th, 1998, 25 years ago. I was there. Floyd I was, Shouts was there. I was. Ton was grounded. 
I was not there. Um, I was definitely not grounded, but I have no idea what I was doing. Well, we're going to celebrate tonight. Actually, 1998, July 98? July 18th. I don't know. I was probably in summer school. I was going to say, you don't remember what we did last week. You were just about to pull that out. I was probably in summer school and still... Doing not good things. So I there's this picture right in the inside here um, of Ozzy with one of those rings that's like the length of the whole. I I totally forgot about those, and that was like a thing for a while. The claw ring. Yeah, yeah. It's like what the heck? Where like a letter I, opener? I remember people, yeah, showing up or just walking around with those things on and thinking, what the heck? I love this. Robert Trujillo, he's on there with his same, like, looking like the same dude as forever. The same dude that's touring with Metallica right now. Same dude just out there rocking. With his crab walking. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about the background a bit, because I don't think I know why. Was it the Somerset? It was whatever the amphitheater there. Yeah, yeah, Float Right Park there. Float Right um, Park. Was it like double booked by accident, or how did this happen? Do you know? I don't know the history behind it, other than I think both tours just happened to be coming through the Minnesota stop um, at the same time. Um, it's kind of weird because like the the next couple of years of Warp tours. Um, they kind of blended with other tours. I remember 2000 Warp Tour when it was at the Metrodome parking lot. Uh, no Doubt was on tour at the time, so they just combined the No Doubt tour, which was No Doubt, Lit, and Black Eyed Peas. They just put them on the Warp Tour it's bill for that bill. day. Yeah, you know, you get an extra concert. Crazy. I mean, people, you only got 30 minutes of No Doubt, but, you know, at the time, 30 minutes of No Doubt was great. And then... um I think the following year, Blink-182 and their big monster tour with, I don't know who was opening for them at the time, Newfound Glory or Sum 41 or somebody, uh, but they took over Somerset again and combined the Warp Tour and then just stuck Blink-182 and their headlining tour on last. Um, so it's kind of like a little bonus. I don't know why Minnesota, I guess, kill two birds with one stone um i'm sure on paper it sounded like a great idea let's put these two big summer rock fests together it was an awful idea the logistics <laughs> behind it were terrible there's only one road into somerset and it took me four flipping hours to get from stillwater to the venue i missed half the warp tour show dusty it was terrible it's like the everybody hurts video Oh, the REM, you know, we're just stuck in traffic. Oh, it was a nightmare. Well, I think I got there the night before. Oh, you were one of those camping yeah. kids. Because we were there. I was 16. Okay. So I just went wherever the other people who were able to drive me there right. went. So we were there right when the gates opened. Because I remember I was a huge fan of System of a Down. Mm-hmm. And they played at like 11 in the morning. Sure. And there was about 20 people there. And then I think by like noon, then it was like you couldn't even walk. Yeah. And I think I probably got there um, around two-ish, I want to say. And by then, like all had played and there's a handful of other 
punk bands on the Warp Tour side that I really want to see that had already played because Warp Tour is just the least user friendly place for seeing the band you want to see ever. It's always been that way. It's like go to the inflatable lineup card and try and remember what time your band's playing on which one of these seven stages. Oh, it's a nightmare. But uh, we're going to celebrate it. I Yeah, so I got there about 2 o'clock after battling traffic, and the first band I saw was Cold Chamber. As we're walking up on the top of the hill, we look down to the bottom to the massive OzFest stage, and there's Cold Chamber and a bunch of greasy heshers tearing up a big cloud of dust like pig pen, just going off. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I was telling you earlier, that was quite the visual. Um, not really my cup of tea. I was more into the fast skater punk, oi, oi, oi crowd. Um, we didn't blend well. I mean, and, like, I just graduated high school, so I knew the kind of the di- dynamic in high school. You had your skater kids, your punk rock kids, and you had your metalheads. They did not really play nice together. Uh, they weren't at constant feuds. But they kept their distance. So to have all those people in the same general vicinity, it just wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's not a lot of trombones in the OzFest lineup. No, no, there's really not. Is there trombones in snot? Does snot have trombones? Snot does not have trombones. No, I think that singer for that band died not long after that show. Yes, wow. yes, um, and uh, I actually really loved them. I, I saw them on uh, on the Warp Tour the previous year. There was a couple of bands that made it to Ozfest um, that I'd seen on Warp Tour the previous year. Snot was one of them. Limp Biscuit, who blew me away at Warp Tour 97. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I was all about that first Limp Biscuit album when they first came out. And by 98, by the time they got to OzFest, they had, uh, and you can contest this, they basically opened up for every band that came through First Avenue. I think they, within like a one-month span, they had been through twice with like opening for Primus and the Deftones. And, um, you know, so they had kind of, like and this was right before they blew up. Corn took them on the road shortly after Ozfest, and then by then they were destined to become this super huge, very polarizing band. Um, They're like the us of the metal scene. <laughs> yes, you either love them or you hate them. And uh, you know, by by '98, I was kind of I didn't hate them. I just kind of was bored by them. So they weren't like when I saw they were on the Ozfest side. I wasn't going out of my way to, like, I got to make sure to catch the Limp Biscuit set. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot on the on the OzFest side that me as a 18-year-old punk rock kid really cared for. Motorhead, I was interested in seeing them. Soulfly had, you know, Max Cavalera, so, you know, it's he had the credibility. <laughs> it's like, oh, I might want to check him out. Um, Tool, I was never a big Tool fan, and... When I saw them, they were very boring and disappointing, so they didn't, like, win me over. <laughs> it was kind of justified in my, eh, I don't really care about Tool. Um, but, yeah, the bands I did see that day on the OzFest side were actually pretty good. What about Ultra Spank? I 
remember the name. I couldn't tell you. I'm sure they sound like 15 other new metal bands that I heard in the background. That and is, day. I, I, is, is Incubus really. I feel like they don't belong in this lineup. They don't. And I've seen them a few times because of things like this. Yeah. I saw them in 1999, the reunion tour of Black Sabbath. Pantera was opening for them and also Incubus. And that was a bill that one of these does not sound like the other. And that was before Incubus was like on MTV TRL all the time. Uh, I think that was probably around like mid to late 2000 when they finally started getting big. Yeah, this was January of uh, yeah, 99. So that, so that would have been 90, 98. So they would have still been like kind of an unknown funk band, basically. they That's kind of what they started off as, was a kind of a funky rock band from uh, Southern California. Well, I think we should play some music. Yeah, let's get some tunes. Here's some bands who were at... Ozfest 98 and Warp Tour 98. And then we will come back and we will continue this discussion as we celebrate 25 years and Ton uh, continues to, to read to himself. Just the way I like it. <laughs>
What's up, everybody? This is Dash from Double Driver and Cold Chamber, and you're listening to The Five Count. Turn it up.
with your high and mighty errand. Your action speaks aloud, I can't hear a word you're saying. Hey sister, bleeding hard with all of your compassion. Your labors do the hurt, but can't assuage temptation. Science with your perfect rules of measure Can you improve this place with the data that you gather? Hey Mother Mercy, can your lungs bear fruit forever? Is your fecundity a travel or a treasure?
Hey, this is Pat Mike. I play in a band called NoFX, and sometimes I just hang out and do nothing. And you're listening to The Five Count. I believe it's a radio station in somewhere in uh, Milwaukee. No, it's Minneapolis. No, it's somewhere around there. Who cares? Welcome back to The Five Count. Welcome. It's The Five Count, starring Billy Floyd Shouts. Hello. Floyd Shouts in the house. So, um, okay, so I noticed when we were talking about this on the previous segment, um, you prefaced the Limp Bizkit thing by saying, like, I'll admit, <clears throat> you know, that you were into him or you were blown away in 97. Um, I, it is weird to me because I even... I feel that thing where you want to say, you just inherently want to say Limp Bizkit blows. But when I think back on it, when that first album came out, I was kind of blown away also. I remember listening to that first album, somebody I knew had it, and I was like, what is this? And the only thing that kind of turned me off was the um, the, the Gotta Have Faith song, but... It's like I just knew it in a different way from George Michael and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, this is like, why are you doing this? This other stuff is heavy and interesting. And then you do this, even though that was very popular. Yeah, that was their moneymaker. That yeah. was the one that hooked them with the uh, with the uh, football player crowd, um, if you will. Yeah. Um, and Which is okay. And so now I'm kind of like, like the albums after it seem like they just got worse and worse. But in my opinion, it's worse because it. I feel like it went a different direction. Like everybody, well, not everybody, but 
the main one for me was corn. Um, and I, you know, I noticed like on here, corn is, is on the bill, but I also knew corn from earlier albums and I remember loving corn. And then all of a sudden they, they went down the same path of like, we got to have a dude like mixing on stage and we have to have like a weird rap, like kind of beat element to it. And then that's where it like lost me for some reason where I was like, this is getting weird. Like, why are we? It seemed like it was a trend that was happening, and it turned me off for some reason. See, for me, with with a lot of those bands, they kind of turned into, like, they kind of got the kiss treatment where they turned into rock stars yeah. and not, not musicians. Yes. Like, in the 90s, corn were, corn were musicians. I mean, yeah, they played rock music, but they weren't on the Howard Stern show and... Showing up on the red carpet with uh, with porn stars by their side and stuff. Yeah, and there there wasn't these busty women showing up at the corn concert. Well, and I don't until know until around ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, Limp Biscuit and so on and so forth, and the whole new metal revival um, came out and uh, you know made a lot of those bands unbearable. <laughs> yeah. So and I don't want to I don't want to reopen a wound or anything, um, but oh boy, to talk about the the grunge thing um, for me, corn was more <laughs> my like corn is what spoke to me in some kind of way in the way that I think that the grunge band spoke to other kids. So when corn that first album came out and I listened to that, um, I felt like I connected with those dudes with the pain and the hurt the anger and stuff that I heard in the in the music and um, that like spoke to me and attached me to it and then and that's where I, how I thought about those dudes is like they're just angry and and sad or, or hurting kids that are not too far away from my age too but and they're expressing in this music and then when it turned into they're on the red carpet and stuff it was like okay yeah this is not the same thing like this is not the you know what i mean you thought of music way deeper than i did back then (laughs) because my 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 way of music is can i can i go off to this in the pit um you know what what can i be doing to this music um that's why i a lot of those bands I just never really got into. Um, the Deftones are one where everybody loves the Deftones, and even people that love the same bands that I do swear by the Deftones. I never got into the Deftones. Um, I just I. I thought their music was kind of boring. Aside from a couple of songs, what am I going to do to a Deftones song? You know, uh, yeah. In in later years, I've come to find out that. Deftones is good making love music. Um, <laughs> from what I'm told, um, I haven't tried it with uh, with um, Around the Fur. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> wow. But uh, but yeah, it, it's for me. I, I I guess I didn't look too deeply into what Corn was singing about um, mm-hmm. because I just thought they were loud greasy hesher dudes (laughs) sure so i mean to give you any kind of uh look into that at all for me um i i grew up with a lot of 
I grew up with a lot of pain and hurt and within my family and stuff. And um, even learning guitar and stuff early on, that became, that was my like escape. Um, when I didn't know how to deal with anything, I literally would just lock myself in my room and play guitar or whatever, or listen to music. And so as far back as I can remember, I've always um, gravitated towards things that I can feel. And usually that feeling meant something like that. Like I could, uh, you know, it just it, it affected me inside and I felt like I connected with the music in some kind of way, usually based on pain or, you know, hurt or sadness. And then weirdly, um, I understood like uh, my dad got me into blues music but then i also was in it in jimmy hendrix at a really young age and i i think of that a lot sort of like um blues but on the made on the psychedelic side that stuff usually made me more happy which if you talk to a lot of like legit blues people it's really more what it's about rather than just being sad and talking about it's about trying to get you to not be sad you know so yeah it was weird but that's kind of my Whatever. Unfortunately, Jimi Hendrix played before I got to Warped Tour yeah. that day. <laughs> oh, so man. I missed his whole set. Yes. Dang it. But I want to ask you, how did you, what did you think of uh, Fear Factory? I didn't. I, did you listen to them? I, no, I couldn't name a single Fear Factory song. Yeah. Um, I think they did something on like some rock and rap compilation album. Around two thousand, yeah. At some point, they were um, around there. Yeah. Them and them and typo negative and bands of that ilk. I just never got into it, really. Um, you know, by by the time those bands were big, I was pretty. I had my stranglehold on the uh, punk. Uh, actually, by the time those bands got big, I was kind of getting phased out of the punk community by the uh, skinny jeans wearing emo crowd that decided to take it over um, yeah we'll save that rant for a different day <laughs> yeah that's like a whole different i i got too fat for punk rock um around the early 2000s i experienced that in 2004 yes at warp tour when like the vandals and bad religion and all these bands were playing at one in the afternoon yes and I, then all the super weird newfound glory and whatever wiener yeah. punk bands were the headliners oh. and all these like kids and wife beaters and and girls with t-shirts with puff paint on them like, <laughs> it was it was we, strange we, we heart zach 27 or whoever <laughs> the early, the late 90s and early 2000s were a really interesting time um but so yeah i, I probably obviously as i'm talking to you you can tell i was much more of a metalhead at that period mm-hmm. um but that is that was a weird thing I was going to say to you. It's like when Limp Bizkit and Corn went down that like incorporated DJ road. I didn't like that from them, but I did go through a period of liking Fear Factory, which seems weird because. But it's kind of different. It's like I think of it as like metal techno mixture, um, and then that's also why I liked a different band called Cynic. But I don't, I don't think they're in here at all. But are these more? Are these? I don't know these bands much at all. Are these your bands? Entombed, a Human Waste Project, Pitch Shifter. Do you know these guys? No, those are all Ozfest side. That they didn't give any love to my uh, to my satanic punk rock bands. Did you like Fu Manchu? <laughs> Who doesn't? No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture from Monster Magnet. Man, those guys were heavy. 
All right. Space they were at the Ozfest. Let's talk about that. You you've been to several Warp tours. I have. I've only been to two Ozfests: the one in '98 and then the one in '99. Okay. Um, the one in '99 where it was just Ozfest, loved it. Had a great time. That, that That's was probably bill. one of maybe the best show I've been to. Yeah, the Primus was there. Um, that was uh, Static X was there. Um, Deftones were. Like I just got done ragging on the Deftones. I really enjoyed them at Ozfest that year. I was able to just hang out up on the hill and see them. Um, that was uh, ninety nine. Was kind of a wild year. I was I just done with my freshman year of college. I worked three to three to four weeks at the local factory in Wasika. It made myself enough money where I didn't have to work the rest of the summer except for odd shifts at the pizza place delivering um so i partied a lot that summer and we went up to Ozfest and um just had a grand old time rob zombie oh, god smack god smack Hello? yes go away <laughs> i went to six Ozfests. okay i went to 97 through 2000 okay so you went to the, Metro- the metrodome one with marilyn manson on yeah there. oh yeah that was supposed to be at Somerset, but all the uh, church people got upset because yes, yes. Marilyn Manson is spooky. See, in '97 is when I started my Warp Tour um, pilgrimage. Um, it didn't come in '99, so '97, '98, 2000 through 2004, and then on a goof we went in 2010 when it was at the uh, it was at Shakopee at the horse track, and that was just. The worst experience. That was worse than the '98, um, just because it was <laughs> the the absolute worst venue. There's no shade. It was like the hottest day of the year, and um, just kind of being a 30 year old dude at the Warp Tour in 2010 with all these skinny jeans wearing dudes, and they were trying to pick up friggin' high school girls, and it just was not my scene. At all. <laughs> I was, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to see Andrew WK. We're going to see Real Big Fish. And then we're bouncing at 6 o'clock. <laughs> That's pretty much what we did. Huh. So, if you're just joining us, we're talking about OzFest 98. Yes. And Warp Tour 98, combining forces. It's the 25th anniversary. Floyd Schultz was at the Warp Tour part. Yes. And I was at the OzFest part. That's why the two of us needed to be here. When worlds collide. Because I didn't venture over to the other side very much. You know, it was they kind of crammed the warp tour side into it. It was like up on the hill and then over. So like the Ozfest side had about three quarters of the actual property. And with warp tour, you have I think they had five or six stages at the time. And some of those were just like flat beds on a semi truck. <laughs> okay, we're calling it good. That's going to be the uh, the fourth stage. Um, and then each band has their own tent and everything. And um, so it got to be a little cramped um, on the uh, on the warp tour side. And like I had mentioned, it started raining uh, shortly after I got there. Right when and I remember when No Effects took the stage, Fat Mike had uh, cracked a joke that. Uh, blame, blaming the rain on the evil Satanists over on the other side in the Ozfest, um, which I 
at the time I thought was kind of funny, you know. Um, <laughs> and then No Effects started playing, and I was very let down by their performance. And they were like mm. one of the bands that I was stoked to see. I had never seen No Effects live. This and they were, you know, as a punk kid in the late nineties, they were like the band. Um, and I just thought they screwed around too much for uh, for a live show uh, for a for a thirty minute set. Um, I come to find out when I would see them, uh, I think about two years later at the club, that even an hour and a half long set, they're still screwing around and they're still awful live. That that don't not, they have a live album called that? They have two live albums, both called "I Heard They Suck Live," and um, that's accurate. They they are <laughs> not very good live. Those album those that's live accurate. albums are actually better than any live performance No Effects has ever <laughs> had that I've been to. Um, so yeah, I was I was very disappointed in No Effects. Um, I did you know as far as the bands I really dug on that day. Um, Save Ferris, of course, because I'm a chubby Scott kid. I was really jazzed to see Save Ferris. They were um, wonderful. I thought Rancid was great. Rancid was actually touring off their... I know everybody loves it, and out come the Wolves. Um, the album that came out in 98, Life Won't Wait. I still play that on a regular basis. That's my favorite Rancid album. Um, it's definitely more of a reggae sound. Um but it's, it just, to me, it's a more complete album. Um, so I was really stoked to see them touring off from that. At the time, Bad Religion, I wasn't a big Bad Religion fan, but just because of name alone, of course, you got to check out Bad Religion. Um, and my my buddy that I went up to with to the show with, his name is Dustin also. And he, uh, he was, a, he was, yeah, go figure. Um, <laughs> he was a, um, big is he, is he an idiot too, or? No, he he's actually okay. a really uh really uh I missed him. Upstanding <laughs> citizen. He uses both his right and left turn signals. Oh, okay. Um but he was his when I was talking to him a uh, week or so ago about like what 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 memories do you have of that day um kind of to trigger some of mine and um he brought up the uh when uh the Deftones are playing and Max from Soulfly came over and joined Chino on stage for a song, and then as soon as the Deftones set were over was over, Chino booked it over to the Ozfest stage so he could get up on stage and uh, perform with Soulfly, which was kind of a weird thing that you're only getting at that show. Um, you're not getting that on the rest of the tour, so uh, that was kind of a kind of a special moment for him. I if I would have you know known more about the bands at the time, it probably would have been a bigger deal for me. Um, now, if it was like some sort of wrestling crossover, forbidden door type thing, I'd know all about that. But anyhow, this is 25 years ago, and I was kind of uh, getting off from wrestling at the time, which I know is shocking uh, for your listeners to hear. Uh, there was a time in my life where wrestling wasn't it was the only replaced thing. with right. the trombone. Exactly. That's the natural progression of things sometimes. Like Blink-182 says, I guess this is growing up. I did hear him say that. Ton? Yeah, man. You all right over there? I think so. Do you feel left out? Are you sad no. that neither of us thought to invite you <clears throat> or no. meet you? I'm I'm enjoying myself. And- I, I would have had room in my car because we actually, um, we I had just gotten a uh, 1988 
Cutlass Cruiser station wagon. Wow. Maroon. And I think I paid like $165 for yeah. it. So it was only about three weeks old, and, and it didn't have a good... It would tend to overheat. So we couldn't run the air conditioning while we're stuck up in traffic. Yeah. So I had to, like, run the heater and stuff. And it, <laughs> and it ended up just being me and my buddy Dustin because uh, my friend Joanne, who um, you guys may remember as the drunkest woman you've ever yeah. met from the Wasika Wrestling, um, she was supposed to come with us, but as... Uh, I reminded her the other day on the phone she sold her ticket for drugs. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so it was just two of us going up. Um, I ended up having to quit my job. Um, wow. And well, I say it like that, but I put in my two-week notice so that my last day would be before, um, before the concert um, because I knew I had orientation over here at MSU, and within a month I was going to be moving to Mankato anyways. Um, so I knew eventually I was going to have to, and I knew there was no way they were going to give me that day off because all the kitchen workers were were um, stony punk rock kids, and they all were getting off for it. And um, I remember, so I, my last day was two days before that, and they came to me, and they're like, Oh, we need you to come in and work on Saturday um, because apparently the kitchen workers that were going to Warp Tour decided not to bother to ask off until, you know, late into the game. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I can't do it. And they got all mad at me, and I got, like, blackballed from from my job <laughs> that I was quitting. Wow. And and for about three weeks until they needed somebody to deliver pizzas, and they called me up. <laughs> wow. Uh, throughout the years, I've been back there several times so me quitting over the Ozfest warp tour um didn't burn any bridges other than the fact that they were angry at me that day yeah tough time heals all yeah that's awesome that's yeah I, I wish i was there i mean i have to be honest no with you. you don't it was yeah i loved it well i i have to be honest i i still wish i would have because i would have just um I would have loved to have seen Pantera. Pantera is absolutely hands down one of my favorite bands, probably of all time, and I never got to see them in the day. So Dusty and I have tickets to go see them next summer. So hopefully they continue to tour and and make that happen for me finally, even without uh, you know two of the without the Abbott brothers. But anyway, so just based on that, I do have some jealousy for definitely dusty i don't know if you actually saw them i can't them account or... for P- pantera being there at all um didn't <laughs> so how do you feel about pantera i mean was that did they have enough like thrash where that that you were ever in into it no, or no no i i was kind of turned off by the whole confederate flag aspect of their presentation from the get-go okay <laughs> that was even uh, back then you e- were... even back then i was just like yeah this kind of sketchy um but he loves leonard skinner so go figure yeah (laughs) (laughs) give me back my bullets yeah (laughs) crazy yeah interesting i it's really funny that you say that because now that you say it i can remember it sort of but i i never attached the confederate flag to that band it's so weird i never i don't ever think about that correlation like now that you say it, I feel like oh yeah, they did it. It is. I got a. It was around somewhere. With I got them. a Christmas present one year. It was a Pantera T-shirt that had Confederate flag in the background, uh-huh. and I never wore it. 
Yeah, it's so weird. Because I felt weird about it I've also. never thought about them, the correlation with it. I had a Pantera shirt, but mine didn't have the flag on it. And I don't really remember seeing it on the album. So I'd, I'd, it's so that's really interesting. Ton doesn't see racism. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. God bless you. I don't want <laughs> to say that necessarily, but yeah, that's huh, that's crazy. We should play some more music before you know you have a Psycho Billy freak out. That's right. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a Psycho Billy freak out.
Hey, this is Greg Graffin from Bad Religion, and you're listening to The Five Count. Yes, I do. They're giving them to anyone, and that means you. You can try to blow. 
See how that works? Yes, yes. Thank you so that was a much. Great block of music there. That brought me back down memory lane. 
It's the Five Count, the show that brings you back down to memory lane. Whatever that means. Whatever that means for it's, you. It's the 25th anniversary of OzFest 98 and Warped Tour 98 together in Somerset, yeah. Wisconsin. And Billy Floyd Shouts was there, and now Billy Floyd Shouts is here. And I'm complaining about it 25 years later. <laughs> yeah. He presented this idea to us, and then we brought him into the studio to celebrate, and then he proceeded to go on and on about how it was the worst day of his life. It was uh, definitely up there. <laughs> Which um, I did not expect. I thought this would be more of a joyous... <laughs> no. Um, on, uh, one one highlight, I, I, I mentioned I didn't get to see all that day because they played early, and that really bummed me out. I did get to meet them at their merch table and that was a huge deal for me um because you know i was a i i'm the one i'm the one guy that likes all better than the descendants that's true there's I, only I, one of them and it's I, billy floyd Shelves. i don't dislike the descendants <laughs> i love the descendants but i really love all so um i actually still have on my shelf the uh plastic they were selling their uh, their coffee mug the the bonus cup and it was just a uh, 32 ounce plastic, um, no, probably not 32, probably about 20 ounce plastic mug with a lid on it. And they were all at the merch table, so I bought it, and they all signed it in various locations on the mug. And I brought that with me freshman year to the dorm, and it sat on my shelf there. And it continues to sit on my shelf in my bedroom. Um, because, this is the most romantic thing I have ever yeah, heard. And then uh, I, you know, I. Throughout the years, I'd get to see those guys live, and uh, hell, I think it was last weekend. My uh, my buddy Jeremy flew out to uh, to Fort Collins and got to perform, got to sing on stage with um, with Bill and uh, and Carl. They have like a little kind of jam session at a uh, local bar where you sign up. You're as like Descendants and all karaoke night with the actual backing band, <laughs> two guys from wow. the band. And, um, you know, that was just just seeing the footage of that because those guys, uh, my buddies that went out there, they're bigger fans than I am even. And um, just to see them get to, you know, do something, which I'm sure is a huge thrill, um, was, was sweet. So, um, yeah, I was bummed I didn't get to see all that day. I did get to meet all that day. And I think the next two times they came... They came through on tour twice within the next year, and I was at both shows. So it all worked out. Wow. Um, and then there was uh, what was another band. Uh, there was this band that was big at the time, Homegrown. They were a pop punk band from California. Um, and I was really bummed out I didn't get to see them because I think they were another early in the day band. They came through on tour about a month later. Um, it was the day before I moved into the dorms. A bunch of us hopped in my car again and drove up to the Quest to see Blink-182 with um, MXPX and uh, Homegrown. And that was kind of my light, uh, you know, my aha moment that Blink-182 was not for me anymore. This would have been, <laughs> this would have been, yeah, the late summer 98. Um, so I think they still had their original drummer at the time. Um and uh, it was, these were, you know, I had just gotten out of high school and this whole crowd was made up of the people in high school that hated me and that I didn't care for either. Um, so it was just weird. And I'm like, okay, what happened to my 
to my scene. And I know Blink-182 is not like the litmus test for the punk rock scene, nor have they ever been. But, like, still, it was, like, really, you know, you went from Vans and Airwalks to Old Navy and Abercrombie and Fitch in the crowd as the big-name brands. And it just was kind of a kind of a culture shock. Um, so, yeah, that was Blink-182 in 98. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's funny because, so like right now, if I go see a group or whatever, I don't think I would think twice or even care like who else is in the audience with me. But back in those days, that stuff was very, it was like an obvious thing. And yeah, it, because like, you know, we're in high school aged around then. And yeah. you'd go to these shows to escape the the stupidness of high school and the high school politics. Yeah. It's like, okay, at least I know when I go to the, uh, to the, uh, Jimmy world show, there's not going to be, um, you know, all the football players that wanted to beat my ass. Um, so, you know, until two years later, when all the football players start showing up at the Jimmy world concert and yeah, it kind of, it's weird. Weird. Yeah, weird time. Have you guys ever thought about the 15-year anniversary of OzFest 98? <laughs> what do you mean, like 10 years ago? Yeah. Whoa. I you never know. thought about it. Oh, I have. And I had the foresight to write about it when it happened. <laughs> it's like one of those weird episodes where it's like time, you know, we're going to go back in time, flashback, flashback, and then an earlier flashback. Yeah. <laughs> Like some weird meta thing that's going on here. Yeah. yeah. Try to keep up because this is the part of the program where we go back 10 years in five count history. Uh, July 20th, 2013. Yeah. It was the 15 year anniversary of Warp Tour 98. And did we celebrate it? We did not. I didn't think so. I wasn't a regular listener at the time. Oh, so. man. Uh, this was an interesting show. We didn't play any music. Uh, we were joined by... The curfew's own Dylan Schultz. Oh, sure. Who at the time was known as the traveling troubadour, singer-songwriter, Swamp Boots. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't we play some Swamp Boots? Uh, we had an intimate performance from Swamp Boots. Yes. But uh, that was it. Just him playing to us. And Ton. What a guy. Cried. I did. I still cry when I think about it. And then we talked about our big following in Croatia, which we did have for a while. We did. There was a woman that was like talking to me via the internet from Croatia regularly at that time. It's really interesting. But uh, Tun's check didn't clear, so his Croatian bride <laughs> never made it <laughs> past the telephone. She stuck at the Port Authority. Bummer. That is a bummer. That's fine. I moved on. That was 10 years ago in Five Count History. Swamp boots. Yeah, man. That was good times. Nailed it. <laughs> I don't know where that went. But I do know where we're going. We're going back in time once again. No, we're going to the present. Tom. We're going to the present. We're presently in the present. About 1998. The present to talk about the past. Let's talk yeah. about uh, the big bands at the OzFest lineup. Were you excited for any of them? Did you care about Ozzy Osbourne? You know, or did I, you beat the traffic? I 
honestly, I think we beat the traffic oh. after about two or three songs, and so you caught some of it. Yeah, yeah, I caught the the intro. I'm sure I can't. You know, by then I was just so burnt out on the day, and this is. And when I say burnt out, I wasn't on any substance. I was just, you know, the heat and just being a long day. I was still kind of a clean cut kid back then. That was twelve um, hours of standing out in a field. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't be bothered to stand three hours. Um, you know, in an air conditioned building <laughs> anymore. I'm too old. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure we ended up beating the traffic on that one. Since we weren't uh, we weren't camping the weekend, we were traveling back to Wasika, um, and uh, we just wanted to get home. It was. We were muddy and gross and just, yeah. Well, as a 16-year-old, I was obsessed with Ozzy Osbourne. Uh-huh. And at that time, even, that was the fourth time I had seen him. Okay. At 16. So, like, I was I was in it. And I was super stoked. And to hear that you got in your car and drove away. I, I will uh, tell you the losing fo- a little respect for you. <laughs> the following year, I did stick around for Black Sabbath, and they were wonderful. That was uh, that was a special moment. I was really happy I got to see Black Sabbath live. Okay, um, well that makes up for it, you know. But yeah, that was just it was a long day. I was Tool kind of put me to sleep before Ozzy took stage, and yeah, they weren't great. No, I, and I don't know if it's just that they're not an. When when I think of Tool, I think of like arena with like some killer light show, and just having them out there. It was daylight, and it yeah. was like a bald guy wearing a bra. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that was pretty much the gist. Yeah, of it. Limp Biscuit had an inflatable toilet on stage too, if I remember right. Yeah, uh, what's his face came out of the toilet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the, about the time that I went to the toilet. Poetic I wasn't a big fan. <laughs> so. Um, how would you rate Ozzy shows back then in comparison to when we've seen it in more modern, more recent years? How what was it like at in those years when you saw Ozzy back then? He was more energetic, I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, his voice sometimes could be hit or miss. Okay. I think it's uh, the later shows, maybe they started dropping the tuning on something so he could not have to strain to hit some of those notes. Yeah. But... um, Because the shows that we've seen in more recent years, and even Black Sabbath, I... Sounded good. They were awesome. But he was mostly stationary, like... Yeah. He'd be in front of the, the teleprompter, take the mic off the stand, kind of turn a little bit, then put it back. Yep. Whereas back in 98, he was running up and down all over and throwing buckets of water at people and yeah. freaking out. Going nuts, okay. Dropping his pants. Yeah. You know, right. that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy. How, how do you feel about 1998 Megadeth? Hmm. Um, I knew who Megadeth was. That was a name I recognized, but I wasn't listening to Megadeth then. My Megadeth listening ship probably ended around um foreclosure on a dream uh, okay <laughs> you know that that era um in the early 90s um i remember that that album was a big one on the bmg music getting the cds and stuff that we were all scamming the uh the local post office <laughs> or 
Um, but uh, yeah, by by ninety eight, I Megadeth. They just they were just one of those greasy metal bands. It's funny that you think of it, about it that way too, and you use the word greasy repeatedly. Yeah, were they awesome back then? I thought so, but I was yeah. sixteen and I was a huge fan. But that was around the Cryptic Writings album where okay. it was kind of like their load reload sort of radio period yeah yeah which was good i liked it at the time still i would say i i wanted to say this then when you were talking about no effects and wanting to wanting them to be awesome and the way that i think about like going to see a, a punk band i think about like like they're gonna come out and they're gonna rock like solidly like I expect them to not mess around and yeah, be whatever. That, that's no effects his entire shtick. Yeah, I expect them to come out and just rock until you're like they they like rock you into the they grind you down because they yeah. are gonna rock for the entire show and not mess around. So to me, I was when you were saying that that no effects messed around a lot. I was like, dude, Megadeth would have been your ticket. Like, just go over and see Megadeth. Because in my experience, they come out and they, like, just play solid. Like, they kick you in the rear. <laughs> I, I did enjoy Motorhead. Motorhead was yeah. uh, was on the OzFest bill, and I did enjoy them. But, I mean, they were another one of those bands with punk rock credibility, yeah. I guess, if Motorhead is awesome. a better term. They also do that. And they played on the second stage. Yes, they were like the, I believe they were the headliners of the second <laughs> stage, so they were like the last band to go on over there. And, um, you know, Crossover was such a, they just had like this, it, if I remember right, it was just this tiny little area for the um, for the crowd to cross over from mm. side to side. And the, the Aussie people pretty much stayed in their area, and... The punk rock people just kind of like, because Warp Tour ended like earlier than Ozfest. Ozfest still had a handful of bands to play um, while Warp Tour was ra- wrapping up. And if I for for whatever reason, I remember like some of the last bands on Warp Tour that day were like, I think Cherry Pop and Daddy's like closed the day, and. That makes sense. The the idea that you're putting a swing band on the Warp Tour, it was the second year in the row they did that. They threw a swing band on late in the day in 97 with Royal Crown Review. And I just don't think that the... Uh, maybe the logic was, okay, they went to Ska, so the next step is Swing, so we're going to bring them the Swing, and the punk rock kids just didn't care about that. There was no uh, Zoot Suit riots? No, it was... Oh. It, <laughs> and, and even, like, they, they put the specials on the, on, on late, and they're a, they're a um, you know, they're Ska legends, but the specials don't really fit on the Warp Tour either, um, you know, they're because... They're a little bit surfy, aren't they? No, they're they're like more reggae. Okay, yeah, and and they and and they're legends of ska. They're they were the the pioneers of the second wave two tone ska. And um, but I I don't think by ninety eight people just weren't couldn't care to be bothered by them. Um, huh. And so that was that was a there there was one oddball band that I that caught my ears. And they were playing on like the fourth stage on Warp Tour that day, and they were called Ozzo Motley, and they were kind of a uh, kind of a uh, Latin 
infused um, band, but they had um, they had a uh, a rapper with them named uh, Charlie Tuna, who two years later would be on the Warp Tour with Jurassic Five, and that was the year they they put uh, Dilated Peoples and Jurassic Five on the Warp Tour in two thousand. And me and my buddy Dustin, who went to ninety eight with me, was also at two thousand. We were digging on the two hip hop bands probably more than anybody else that day. Um, and uh, yeah, Jurassic Five and you know the the same rapper that was in Azamali. And I just remember I I made it a purpose to seek out that Azamali album and uh, and pick it up. And hmm. there's a couple of still jams on that. I, I think they even had a cameo in the uh, in the Drew Barrymore movie Never Been Kissed. So. <laughs> you know that was their claim to fame. Top five for me. Yeah, crazy. We should probably play some more music, and then we'll come back, and then that'll be it. Sounds like a plan. Let's head bring it home strong, boys. Of that deal, something struck me funny when we ran out. 
can't afford a great bus as we climb up the hill Nothing ain't coming but the rain came trolling And we all come from one of it all I said, why even bother here? Pick up the bottle, Mr. Bus driver, please let his people on Rude girl care was a miniskirt girl, my
should have saved your breath. That's Ozzy up the max, man. Hey, this is Wayne Static, formerly of Static X. You're listening to The Five Count. It would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not everybody has got a body like me, but I gotta think twice before I give my heart away. And I know all the games you play, cause I play them too. Oh, but I need some time off from that emotion. Time to pick my heart up off the floor. Showing you that door, Ron gotta have Showing you that door, I got it out How great is Limp Biscuit? <laughs> Seriously, that first album is a banger. They're, they're, it really I, is. I, I remember I got that at Warp Tour 97, signed by all five members of the group, including DJ Lethal. Did you really? Yeah, Man. they were doing a meet and greet at the uh, Electric Fetus tent or something that day. And so me and my buddy Brandon, we, we got, in, uh, got in line and got our Limp Biscuit CDs uh, signed, uh, the $3 bill, y'all. Wow. Um, and... He ended up giving his away to his brother a few years later. I ended up selling my a few years later. Wow. When the market, around 2000 when the market was the hottest for an autographed Limp Biscuit CD. Um, I uh, I got some pretty good coin for that. That's crazy. Um, so I guess uh, and I was and and the guy only wanted the cover, so I still got to keep the actual CD, and, uh, so that worked out. Nice, because that album is a banger. You know, I think that may have been the first time we've ever played them on the five count. Well, I'm glad. hopefully not the last. Yes, <laughs> there you go. 
That's I think awesome. they're working on a new album here, so maybe we'll get them on the show. Yikes! I'm surprised they haven't made made it through Mankato yet. Um, as far as like hitting that circuit, they they seem like they should be on the the Rib Fest, uh, Vetterstone Amphitheater. I mean, yeah. I, I recently saw though on YouTube. I think it was it was a more recent post than the last couple of years. And they were playing somewhere in California, and it was a huge show. They're they're doing a lot of like festivals, and so I know they did. Uh, I think it was Lollapalooza last year. That now that it's just a big three day festival yeah. in Chicago, I remember them being on there and Fred dressing like a uh, dressing like one of the cops in the Beastie Boys sabotage oh. video, <laughs> and apparently that's his new look: huh. the, the aviator glasses and the gray. Of messy hair and the the windbreaker, huh? Crazy. That our go home music already. I'm afraid the show's over. God, time just flew by, guys. It's been the 25th anniversary celebration of Ozfest '98 and Warp Tour '98. What did you say the slogan was? Uh, when Satan met skating. <laughs> <laughs> That's also the new slogan for the five count, oh, as yeah. it should be. Well, it's been great having you on, having a wonderful conversation. Sorry, I wasn't actually there with That's you guys. Right. I'm not but. sorry you weren't there because we probably would have gotten to a tussle. And, <laughs> um. <laughs> you you would have been so upset. You greasy metalhead. That's right. <laughs> oh, um, man. Before we go, I got to give a quick shout out to my friend in Seattle that promised me she would be listening tonight because I wasn't going to be talking wrestling. Um, Andrea, Seattle, hope you're feeling better, bud. Take awesome. care. Awesome. Awesome. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Eugene Hoots from Gogol Bordello, who we just interviewed, and it's on uh, thefivecount.com. You might want to check that out. All of your favorite podcasting apps. Awesome. They're playing at First Ave on July 25th. Don, you might want to go check out our Patreon page. We have one of those. I need to do that, yeah. I don't even know what's on there. A lot of great stuff. All kinds of stuff on there. Early access to things, bonus things, old things. So many things. Bonus. Bonus. A lot of bonus. Boy Chouts, have you listened to me reading He-Man books yet? No, I watch 60 hours of wrestling a week. I don't oh. have time for that nonsense. Well, it's on the Patreon if you want to I can read to the it. He-Man books if I want. I don't need to hear you read it to me. But it's more than just my voice. There's sound effects and so music. You're not more. selling it. But, you know. oh. All right. Hey, come on, guys. Got to get physical here before the show's <laughs> over. All right. That's it. Floyd Childs, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. See you next time. Now, boys and girls, turn the cassette over. <laughs>